Welcome to the Alt Asset Allocation Podcast. Exploring alternative investment opportunities available to the everyday investor. Here's your host, Ben Lakoff. Hello and welcome to the Alt Asset Allocation Podcast. Today's interview is with Mark Podolsky of The Land Geek. Mark is a fellow Hoosier from Indiana, and since 2001, he has completed over 5,500 land deals. That's over 5,000 land deals. He has an average ROI return on investment of over 300% on cash flips and over 1,000% on deals he sells with financing terms. In this conversation, we talk about all things land investing. What does the process look like? Risks, characteristics of a great deal, where to find buyers, where to find sellers, and more. This is an exciting niche market within the real estate market, and I think you'll really enjoy it. Before you listen, please don't forget to like or subscribe to the podcast. It really, really helps. Land investing. Here you go. Please enjoy this conversation with Mark Podolsky. Mark, welcome to the Alt Asset Allocation Podcast. Glad to have you here. Ben, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I really appreciate it. Yeah, your audio sounds fantastic. It's just you're whispering in my ears, and I, I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Where are you right now? So I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. Okay. And if you want to know how it feels in summer, just wrap yourself in saran wrap and then put yourself in the oven. Perfect. Perfect. And, yeah. It sounds wonderful. Sounds wonderful okay. this time of year. Yeah, but you yeah, get the, those winter months that are very, very nice, right? Ex- no, exactly. Exactly. And if it weren't for the summers, we'd be like LA. So lots of parking. Great. Oh yeah, not too many. You know, it's big, but not not crazy. We caught up a little bit before we started recording, but I, I came across your product, Land Geek, via a podcast uh, through a friend, and really sent me down the rabbit hole. I've done a number of different interviews with real estate investing, and you're the first one with land investing. Really excited to have this conversation. I wanted to start off just sound like your background was in investment banking and then you got into land investing. Walk me through your background, how you ended up where you are now. Yeah. So imagine me in a car fighting traffic, 45 minutes there, 45 minutes back, getting to work in a cubicle, no control, micromanaged, high stress, long hours. Ben, it got so bad for me. I didn't get the Sunday blues anticipating Monday coming around. I'd get the Friday blues anticipating the weekend going by really fast and having to be back at work on Monday. So my firm hires this guy. He's telling me that as a side hustle, he's flipping them online and he's making a 300% return on his investment. And Ben, I'm looking at companies all day long and a great company, great company has 15% EBITDA margins for free cash flow. Average company's 10% and I'm looking at companies all day long less than 10%. So of course, I don't believe him. So we go to Mexico, I got three grand saved up for car repairs. I do exactly what he tells me to do. I buy 10 half acre parcels, an average price of $300 each. I flip them all online. And they all sell for an average price of $1,200 each 300% it worked. So I took all that money, went to another auction in Arizona where I live. And again, this is 2000. There's no one in the room. I'm buying up lots I'm buying up acreage for like nothing. And over the next six months, I sold all that land. I made over $90,000 cash. So I go to my wife, and she's pregnant. I go, honey, I'm going to quit my job, become a full-time land investor. And it took about 18 months for the land investing income to exceed the investment banking income. And then I quit, and I've been doing it full-time ever since. 
Awesome. Those first flips were in Mexico? New Mexico. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, that's a, that's a big transition from Mexico to Arizona, I would think. Yeah, no, it would have been, yeah. No. From some of your staff, uh, a, a quote that comes up from Ted Turner, who's uh, one of the largest landowners in the U.S., buy raw land. It's the only thing that lasts. And that that really impacted me and really you know, made me want to start having this conversation, especially I'm in LA and the, the property prices here are just sky high. So the thought of buying raw land somewhere as, as a way of getting exposure to real estate might be an interesting way to do it. What is investing in land? What would you consider land, raw land? Yeah, lay, lay it out for me here. Yeah, so Ben, let's do a deal together. Okay, because I love that you're so interested in it. All right, so you're you're in LA, right? And I'm going to assume that you own 10 acres of raw land in Texas, and you owe $200 in back taxes. So you're advertising two things to me. Number one, you have no emotional attachment to that raw land. You're in LA, the property's in Texas. And number two, you're distressed financially in some way because you haven't paid your taxes, and as a result, we don't pay for things. We don't value them in the same way. So what I'm going to do is I'm gonna look at the comparable sales on your 10 acre parcel for the last 12 to 18 months. I'm gonna take the lowest comparable sale, I'm gonna divide by four. And that's gonna get me what Warren Buffett would call a 300% margin of safety. And I'm gonna send you an actual offer for your 10 acres. So let's assume the lowest comp of $2,500. Now this whole time, you've been getting notices from the county treasurer saying, Ben, if you don't pay your taxes, you're gonna lose this property to a tax lien or a tax deed investor. So for you, $2,500 is better than nothing. So you accept it. Now in reality, three to 5% of people accept my quote unquote top dollar deal of 25, 30 cents on the dollar, but you do. Now that you've accepted it, I've got to go through this in-depth research or due diligence. I got to confirm you still own the property. I got to confirm back taxes are only $200. I gotta confirm that there's been no breaks in the chain of title. I gotta confirm there's no liens or encumbrances. I gotta find out what's compelling about the property. What about the access? What can you do out there? What are the restrictions? All this whole big checklist, which of course I outsourced to my team in the Philippines. They're connected to an American title company, costs about 11 bucks, and they check everything out for me. So let's assume that everything checks out. And by the way, when they're doing the due diligence, they're creating my marketing package. I'm getting photos. I'm getting videos, I'm getting plat maps, I'm getting aerial maps, I'm getting you know, everything that a buyer is going to want to know because that's what I want to know too. So now I pay you for the property and you get net $2,300, $200 goes to the treasurer and now I own the property. Now I'm going to sell this property, Ben, 30 days or less. I've got a built-in best buyer. Do you know who it is? Do I know who the built-in buyer is? Yeah, you didn't, you didn't realize I was going to quiz you. I got this from another podcast. I, I wouldn't have guessed the answer to this question that I believe might be neighbor, You're the right. neighbors. It's, it's okay. the neighbors. I cheated. I listened. I, I did my research, right? <laughs> yeah, no, very smart. So, but, but, but I wouldn't but have sending, guessed yeah. as well. Yeah, so we're going to send out the neighbor letters saying, here's your opportunity. Protect your privacy. Protect your views. Know your neighbor. So oftentimes the neighbors will buy it. Now, let's go down the marketing checklist here because if the buyers pass, we're gonna to go to our buyers list. And these are people that have opted in at some point, maybe they bought property from us before. 
Maybe they've gone to our website and they've gotten something of value in exchange for their email. And we say, here's your opportunity to buy Ben's 10 acres for, you know, instant equity type of thing. So the buyer's list might buy it. Now, if they don't buy it, I go to a little website you probably never heard of called Craigslist. It's the 10th most trafficked Small website. In the never heard of it. And then I go to an even smaller one. I know you've heard of this one it's called Facebook, the marketplace, buy, sell groups, and then the lands. Landmoto.com, landsofamerica.com, landandfarm.com, landflip.com, landhub.com. These are all these platforms where people buy and sell raw land. But where the magic happens, Ben, is the pricing. So when I get my capital out on the down, I might go six months out. And then a car payment, let's just say four forty nine a month, 9% interest, next 84 months. So I got this one-time sale, I get my money out in the down or six months out, and then I create a passive income like a rental of four forty nine a month, nine percent interest in the next eighty four months. Then no renters, no rehabs, no renovations, no rodents. And because I'm not dealing with a tenant, I'm exempt from Dodd Frank, RESPA, and the Safe Act. All this onerous real estate legislation. So the game that we can now play is: can we create enough of these land notes where our passive income exceeds our fixed expenses? And now we're working because we want to not because we have to. It's a really powerful story. I, I like it. And so that last portion is seller financing, right? And we'll right. dive into that in more detail. Right. You covered a, a number of things. Thanks for zooming out and going over the whole process. But now I kind of want to pick apart the different individual pieces of it, if you don't mind. When you started off with a great example, a landowner is in a different state. He owns land, uh, raw land in a different state. And he's you know, laid on a few payments. So that means it's neglected. Maybe he's a, a willing buyer or seller at this point. How do you, how do you kind of hit this first level, uh, this first filter? How do you find these people? So we have to get the list. So this is public information of property owners in that county. So you can get it from the county treasurer, the assessor. Sometimes the IT department will have it, maybe a title company. Maybe we'll go to a company like listsource.com or datatree.com. I don't care how we get the list, but we're getting the freaking list. Now what we're going to do is we're going to scrub that list because I'm going to get rid of all the residential property, industrial property, commercial property. And there's a quick and easy way to do that. We could sort by use code. Let's call it VL for vacant land. Okay. I'm going to do one more scrub because I want to scrub by APN number, assessor's parcel number, which gets me into neighborhoods and similar parcel sizes. Because if I send the same person with uh, 40 acres, the same as five acres that offer, the 40 acre person is gonna send me back glitter in the mail. So we wanna price it right, depending on the sizes. So once we get that list, we're gonna upload it into our software, which is, you know, we, we created, and uh, it's called LG Pass, the Land Geek proprietary automated software solution. From there, we've started that, that marketing or mailing process to get people to respond to us, to sell us their land. Okay, that, that makes sense. And before even choosing this portion, this these landowners within this location, do you start macro picture? Okay, these are the markets that we wanna be in. Mm -hmm. I love land in Montana because dot, dot, dot. Maybe start with a little more of a macro black backdrop of what land looks like investing in the US. I presume you're, primarily, or if not only in the U.S. I'm and only then... in the U.S. And so, Ben, let's just be honest with ourselves, okay? Nobody wakes up, thinks to themselves, boy, 
I like some raw land in Iowa today. Unless I don't know. You I'm live from in... Indiana. I like it. Well, I, I, so close. I'm a Hoosier too. I went to, I went you to are? Iowa. I yeah. went to Ball State. I played golf there. I, wow. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, like we're soft either with the Hoosiers. And not, there's nothing got wrong. a beautiful campus. It's really, it's really beautiful. nice. beautiful. There's nothing yeah, wrong wonderful. with the Midwest. But if you live in New York or L.A. or Chicago or San Francisco, you're going to be more interested in the sunshine states. You want property in Nevada, New Mexico, Arizona. You're going to want property in California, maybe Oregon, Washington, um, Colorado, Florida. So we're sticking to these markets in these states that are fast growing, have a plethora of inexpensive raw land and are growing. So that's not to say I wouldn't do a deal in Arkansas or Indiana or Missouri if it's priced right, but that's not where I'm going to focus on. I want the biggest buyer pool possible, especially when I start out. The other thing I want to know is what's the market? So imagine you and I go fishing together. Right then, there's a bunch of boats over on this one bank, and they're all fishing. They're all catching fish, and you and I say to each other, "Well, we don't want to go over there where they're catching all that fish, because they're catching all the fish. We're going to go to somewhere there's no one fishing. And what happens when we go to where there's no one fishing? There's a reason there's no one fishing there. The fish aren't biting. So what? So counterintuitively, we should have joined those boats, actually, and started catching our own fish." And that's what this market is, because at the end of the day, it's such a big market. You, me, a million people can get in this niche. We're all going to run out of money before we run out of deal flow, especially because there's no private equity groups. There's no hedge funds doing it. And like you said, you couldn't find a more boring niche in the real estate world. I mean, it's not like you're going to HGTV or the DIY network and see flip this land. The before pictures raw land, the after pictures raw land. So at a real meeting, 100 people in that room, 99 of them are landlords, flippers, and wholesalers. You and I be the only land guys. So we've got this massive market, nobody really doing it. That brings up a good point. Whenever, like the fishing example, right? If Why are people not doing this if the returns are so attractive? Well, just like I said, you gotta, you, you gotta, first of all, you gotta, you gotta know about it. It's not like, you know, it's not a big, niche in, in the sense that, you know, let's just take Robert Kiyosaki, right? You know, or, or those guys that, that talk about real estate investing, these big marketing budgets, they're talking about houses. Houses are sexy. Multifamily is sexy. Raw land is not sexy. And if you talk to somebody who's traditional, they'll say, well, don't buy raw land because the typical model is you're going to buy in the path of growth and you're going to wait and wait and wait while you're waiting. Your cash flow negative, you're paying property taxes year in, year out. So, and then hockey sticks up when the development comes. So we're not playing that game. We're looking at this like, hey, here's an asset I can buy 25, 30 cents a dollar. I'm going to just make a cash flow. And there's a lust for land in this country that most people don't realize. So I think that's, that's the main reason is, you know, number one, You've got uh, no one really marketing it. And number two, you know, you've got to think to yourself, well, if you're in real estate, right, I can wrap my head around the fact everybody needs a place to live. Nobody needs raw land. But when we look around our homes, 99% of the things that we have, we don't need anyways. So 
but that that's why I think it's it's such a such a particular niche. There is a lot of raw land in the U.S., right? The traditional way of investing in raw land, like you said, is buy it just outside of a city and just say, okay, population growth here. Eventually, the city's going to grow, and this this land they're going to want to put some mall or something or road here, and it's going to be worth a ton. With your model, it's more of a value investing. This thing is not loved by the owner. I'm going to scoop in, and for pennies on the dollar, I'm going to I'm going to buy it. I'm going to market the heck out of it. I'm going to find some sellers using all of these tools and then offer this seller financing and have a good source of passive income from from flipping this land. Is that kind of the model? Exactly. So imagine that I knew what you had in your garage, just sitting around collecting dust, actually magically make an offer on all of it, 25 cents a dollar. You couldn't. You wouldn't have been more than happy. I made it so easy for you to now finally sell this thing that you're sick of looking at. It's the same thing with these, their, their raw land. They're sick of paying the property taxes. They had a use case for it back in the day. It didn't pan out and they just want to get rid of it. And, and we're happy to help them do that. Okay. I like it. You find, you find this location. So maybe it's in Oregon. You get this list of all these people. You, you, you filter it. You only have land. Then you find people with back taxes. You send out a ton of messages. You said three to five percent actually reply back. How do you? How do you? You said um, coming up with a comparable sales. How do you value this land to say what is pennies on the dollar and what are, you're willing to offer them? Right. So the county assessor has all that public information of what that property sold for, and we're going to take the lowest comp because you know sometimes it's just crazy. I mean, they're all over the place. It's a very inefficient market. So we have to take the lowest and divide by four. And then we know if our response rate is under 3%, oh, we probably need to raise our offer a little bit. If it's over 5%, I'm gonna get nervous. I'm like, oh, maybe I need to retrade. So that's why we keep those metrics in line to see how, how close we are to, to hitting the sweet spot of the market. Because and just like in everything at the real estate niche, we make our money on the buy. Exactly. After you send out a number of these offers, then you go through the due diligence process, which you're making sure they actually own it, the title's clean, no back taxes, liens, all of these things. And then if you actually proceed and purchase the property, what kind of transaction fees, additional fees, property taxes, what, what kind of costs associated with ownership or transfer of ownership are you looking at? I mean, it depends on the county. It's not much. It's not. There's not a lot of frictional costs, especially in the counties that we, we work in. So, you know, Nevada might have a transfer tax, but, you know, typically it's not like housing, where you've got you know title company fees and, you know, appraisal fees and all. You know, you get fee to death. That's not in this niche. We don't have that at all. You might, if you're going to go five thousand or more, you might have a, you know, a, a title company fee, but that's really it. And we can negotiate that too. Okay. And then you talked about tax liens, tax deeds. Uh, what are the differences between the two? How is this relevant? So a tax deed state is one where if you don't pay your property taxes, they're kind of heartless. And we're going to deed your property to this person at auction. Tax liens are a little bit sweeter. They say, Ben, that's okay. We're just going to auction off you know, your back taxes that you owe to the investor. And we're going to give you three years to go ahead and find that 
that money, you'll pay off that investor. So you're gonna pay your taxes plus the interest and penalty fees when you get around to it. It's okay, right? But if you don't pay it off in three years, then that tax lien owner can go through the foreclosure process and then get that property. But either way, we're avoiding that whole auction, whether it's deed or lien, because we're going direct to the owner anyway to buy it. And going direct to the owner, this is mostly direct mailing, email, whatever you can, right? Well, I, I like mail. Email is going to be spotty. You know, I, I know some old school guys like model is we can all we can make more money in our lives, but we can't get any more time. So I will do anything that will save me time. So there's other people who say, oh, you know, send out blind offers. Well, blind offers, I'm going to be on the phone all day negotiating with maybe they're selling, maybe they're not. That's why I send the actual offer. I want my response rate three to five percent. I don't want a fifteen percent response rate because I'm just going to be wasting time. Yeah, I like it. That's, uh, I mean, with everything, right? Time is the one precious resource, and anything you can do to automate and systematize all of these things, you're going to win back more of it. Exactly. That's that's exactly what we do. So we're, we're using three leverage in other people's time, um, software, and other people's money, and that's how we scale this thing to the next level. And what do you mean by other people's money? You mean bank financing to, to do these deals? It, it can be, well, banks don't like raw land, but you could do investors, you could use a home equity line. You know, when you're making 300,000%, you know, help your friends. If they're making, they go 0% in their bank, they'd be like, dude, I'll pay you 12% quarterly. How much, you wanna, how much do you wanna do? It's just a promissory note and you, you know, UCC one filing, use the raw land as collateral, you're all fine. So in terms of getting traditional financing, banks are, are not very willing to lend on no, raw land? they do not like raw land, no. Well, they don't want to own it. They don't know how to sell it. So to collateralize a piece of raw land for them, that's a lousy asset on their balance sheet. If you're going to do a construction loan with them and you're, you know, you're an established developer, then you can put 50% down and they might loan 50%. But that's not a great loan right so no okay what else are you checking when you're doing your due diligence are you looking at water and mineral rights county city government regulations you are selling this to somebody that wants you're either selling it to another land flipper which is probably pretty unlikely because as you said it's a small niche so you're probably selling it to one of these people that's a traditional land investor who's buying it with the intention of this going up at some point because of some development. What else are you looking at here? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't judge like you like you said, like, you know, you're making an assumption that my buyer is gonna go vertical one day with it. Well, that's not what happens typically. I mean, it's like man jewelry. Sometimes they, they don't even ever go out there. They just like the way it feels to own some raw land and they can afford the taxes, right? So we get a lot of preppers, we get people who are recreational, we get people who um, just think it's cool. I got one guy, he's a CEO in San Diego, and he spends you know hundreds of thousands of year with me, every year. He's like, I just wanna pay $5,000 a month with you towards this land. I'm like, Don, what are you gonna do with all this land? He's like, I don't know, I just think it's cool. That That's his highest and best use for it. I don't know, I think it's cool. So you just never know, I mean, it's, a lot of people, I got one guy who goes out every year with his buddies and they do their own little burning man in Nevada in every July 4th. And they just go out there and 
It's like, you wouldn't believe how dark it is. There's no one out there. Night sky. There, there's a lot. There's a big niche. It's a big niche. Yeah. It's a big market. I mean, I, I believe it, especially right now with Corona and people cooped up in their apartments. They're wanting more space and, and nature and things like this. I think that trend will be accelerated a bit with COVID. You're just more concerned on the purchase price. As you said, you make your money on the purchase. If you can get a good deal, you know that there's a, a buyer out there for some reason. And there's if, a pig. If you for purchase every it at a, yeah, barn. sorry. There is. Yeah, there's a pig for every barn. I mean, I've done this over 5,500 times now. Guess how many properties I've been stuck with? I couldn't sell. I'm guessing zero or only the ones you want to keep. Well, yeah, the labels I want to keep, but but that's you know that's when they're in the path of growth, and I just put in my trust and the little note, you know, <laughs> kids don't sell this until you get a seven figure offer from a developer. But other than that, yeah, because there is a pig for every barn. And I learned this the hard way, and I love telling this story. When I was real, got like the first year I started, I'm driving around with my buddy, and there's it's ever heard of Las Vegas, New Mexico? There's like a university no. there. <laughs> no. No. Okay. So it's like, it's like, you know, there's a university there. That's it. And there's all these like acre lots that you could buy over the counter, which means they went to tax deed auction and they were so bad. Nobody bought them. So they lowered the price to just get rid of them because the county didn't want them. So we're driving around. I'm looking at it. And I'm like, dude, this, Chernobyl looks nicer than this. And he's like, well, he's like, yeah. I mean, it's the ugliest land I've ever seen. He's like, yeah, but it's like so cheap. Maybe someone will buy it. I'm like, yeah, but someone might like it because someone eventually, someone bought it at one point. I'm like, look, you buy this. There's going to be two things that happen. Number one, refund. And then number one, and then number two, lawsuit. I'm like, you can buy all of it. He's like, you sure? You don't want to split it? I'm like, no, buy all of it. So he's selling it in front of me. He's emailing me every day of the sales, and he's he's making thousands of dollars on every transaction because he bought it so cheap. And I'd email him back, refund, another sale. I'd email him back, refund slash lawsuit. He makes a hundred thousand dollars on on the whole auction, the whole thing, or the, the over the counter deal. And guess how many refunds he had? Zero. Zero. Guess how many lawsuits? Uh, hopefully zero. Zero. So essentially, there's a $50,000 lesson I learned that I'm not the market just because I don't like the land personally. And it's happened time and time again in my career where even when I made a mistake in due diligence, I was able to sell the property. Yeah, that's wild. I'm curious, you brought up a few questions there. So you own this land and you're holding it, looking for a, a, a buyer. You're holding on to it for a period of time. One, what is your average holding time? That would be a question. And then two, are you worried about like squatter rights or something? Somebody goes out there and parks their camper and then they have rights to it. Is that not really a thing? The it's other really question would be insurance, like some kid riding his bicycle across and there's a landmine buried out there or something that you didn't know about. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, for insurance, we attach an umbrella policy but we don't insure each and every property. It doesn't make any financial sense to do, especially, you know, I've been doing this 20 years now and I've had nobody sue me. You know, and the old, the old, you know, the old thing is in, in real estate, it's like, it's not a matter of if you'll be sued, it's a matter of when. So, you know, basically what we do is we say, look, go out there, you have 90 days initial due diligence. If 
you don't love it for any reason, we'll exchange for property you love or we'll refund you. And then we have a 365 day exchange guarantee. So if they don't love it, even if they couldn't get out there in the first 90 days, we'll exchange it for property they do love. So we're not gonna fight with anybody if they don't love what they bought. That's so that's number one. But the the other issue I think you, you brought up was squatters rights, right? It has happened where we've had to kick people off the land. Because I'm the owner, we use land contracts. It's not like they own it yet. They're paying that property off to me before on a note before we convey ownership. So I'm the owner. So they always contact me. Hey, do you know what this guy's doing on your land? And then we have to hire a local attorney. The local attorney then files the proper paperwork. The, the sheriff then goes out there and kicks them off. And then we got to spend some money cleaning it up. But again, in 20 years, this has happened to me once. So it's really rare that it happens. Very low indeed. Yeah. Assuming you find a um, buyer and you're looking through Facebook and Craigslist and some of these other things, but I, I mean, I'm on Facebook and some of these like investor groups and everything is so scammy. Do you actually find buyers in these Facebook groups, potential actual buyers and not just all the, it, it just all the time? I think nice. you're, I think you're playing in the wrong group. That's so we don't be. go to we don't go to real estate groups. That's not the group we want to join at all. We want to go to like different types of groups that would be interested in raw land. So we avoid those scammy groups that the preppers like, you know, if everybody's trying to sell this stuff to everybody, that's not good. We want to go to big, big groups that are not real estate groups that have different, in, you know, interests that would be interested in a piece of raw land. But yeah, no, we don't have an issue with it. Um, okay. I mean, you know, again, the ratio is we probably have to deal with maybe 60 to 70 leads on Facebook before we get a sale, but that gets outsourced to our VA in the Philippines. So, you know, we don't use any, it's not, it's pretty cheap to do. Yeah, it makes sense. What percentage of the, you make money on the, on the purchase, you're buying this with a, with a large margin of safety below value, pennies on the dollar. And then it sounds like a big portion of the returns and the passive income longevity potential comes from this seller financing. I know that you guys have a tool that you offer, but just walk me through what is seller financing? What does it look like? How does it look like with land? Yeah. So we just use a software program called geekpay.io. And so in geekpay, it's a set and forget it system. And we create a link. So within geekpay, you're, you basically do like a little merchant thing with Stripe or authorized.net. So you can get your down payment via credit card. Once you get your down payment, well, then we automate the paperwork using our first software called LG Pass. So that automatically goes out. They digitally sign the paperwork. Then 30 days later, we're gonna get the routing number and checking account number. We're gonna validate it with the software to make sure it's good. And then that's it. And it just automatically draws from them their checking account their monthly payment plus prorated property taxes plus a note collection fee. So this is the only software I know of that actually after two notes makes you money. So it's a profitable software for our users. It's amazing. Yeah, indeed. And I mean, the biggest risk is that they stop making the payments. So let's talk then, about that. Default rate. Yeah. So when they stop making the payments, we keep the down payment. We keep all the monthly payments. 
because it's a, a land contract. So there's no cost of foreclosure. Now it just increases our ROI even more. So we don't mind defaults. We don't care what they put down. We just want to get the, the money moving. And then if they default, we keep it, we resell it, get a new down, a new note payment. And what percentage typically is the down payment? And then how many years of financing is this? So for every $1,000 of capital that I invest in a property, I want my note payment to be a minimum of $100. So I want to get my capital out again on the down payment. So then it's just a matter of, you know, looking at the market and see what it'll bear. People don't really care so much about the total price of the property. They really care, can I make the monthly payment? And that's why our margins are so big. How long are your loans that this financing? Some that are thirty years. I have some that are yeah, five years. Then you can get the, fifteen the... years. Yeah. Wow, fantastic. I have some that are three years. I mean, it just depends on the property and the price. And what's the monthly cost for Geek Pay? Well, for it's for up to ten notes, it's forty nine bucks a month. But up to ninety nine notes, it's ninety nine bucks a month. Some great service. I mean, it's it's scratching your own itch, building the tools that you need to systematize this and make it easier. Bravo to you for building that. Thank you. You you see a number of different investors. You've done a ton of deals. What are the what are the biggest misunderstandings for somebody getting into land investing that you see? I think the biggest misunderstanding is going to be you know, why am I buying where other land investors are? It seems counterintuitive. That's a big misunderstanding. Who's going to buy it is the, another big misunderstanding. But I think initially, those are the two things that kind of mess people's heads because it is so different from what they're used to seeing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the fish, I keep going back to the fishing analogy. Well done, but it's very counterintuitive, momentum-esque strategy everybody's over there, let's jump over there as well, because it must be, there's something worth looking at, right? Right, right. And then what are the, what are the biggest, the most common mistakes you see with first, first time early land investors? The biggest mistake we see is people buy a piece of property and then they start marketing it and they stop their deal flow. They're like, well, I'm not gonna keep mailing until I sell this property. I just, I just need proof of concept. Once that mailing goes out, it takes four to six weeks to get responses. So you just, you just literally killed for yourself four to six weeks of deal flow. Never stop mailing. That makes a lot of sense. And then the, the type, the size of land plots that you're typically going for. I think one time you mentioned 40 acres was like your sweet spot. But what is the size and then what is kind of the price per acre? Obviously, it's a range, but that you're rough, roughly looking to spend on something like this or average per I mean, acre honestly, cost. Like, it, it's it's, All it's an impossible amount. question to answer for me because it's so, so random. Every market's different. The acreage is different. And again, you know, I don't care. So if I can buy any asset 25 cents the dollar, whether it's raw land or anything, there's there's someone else on the other end of that deal. I just happen to think raw land for me is the best. I'm just shuffling paper and making money. Do you do any international land investing or only in the U.S.? No, I've looked at it and I thought, why? You know, it, it's I had a, a one of my mentors is Ori. He sold his company for three hundred sixty million dollars. 
and uh, his mentor was Mort Meyerson, the billionaire uh, partner of Ross Perot. They had like a like an epic falling out. So if you're from Texas, you know about these guys. So so Ori, I'm telling, I'm talking to Ori about business, and he's you know, you know I'm mentioning, hey, you know, I might be looking at some some deals and you know some Costa Rica, and uh, he's like, Mark, he's like, you remember when you were a kid? I'm like, yeah. He's like, you ever try to kill ants? I'm like, like with a magnifying glass. I'm like, sure. He's like, okay. Could you kill any ants if you kept moving the magnifying glass around? He's like, you got to hold the magnifying glass there for a little while to kill an ant. He's like, go kill ants. He's like, just stay in the United States where you want. No, don't start generating a bunch of heat and and losing focus. He's like, I can't. He's like, I can't tell you how many people get bored of making money. If you're making money, keep making money. Don't start looking for you know new markets until you need to. I like it. That's a very good analogy that I'll definitely steal. (laughs) As I think back fondly of my Indiana summers burning ants underneath the magnifying glass, for sure. Walk me through best case scenario, the ideal plot of land, the ideal process of how this whole thing goes. Everything just ticks all the boxes as the perfect land flip and seller financing package. What does that look like? I mean, they are, any of them are perfect. Anytime you can buy the asset 25 cents on the dollar, it's perfect. Now, if it doesn't sell in 30 days or less, something needs to change. Maybe you've got to increase the price. Maybe people think, why is it so cheap? There's something wrong with it. Maybe you have to lower the down payment. Maybe you have to lower the monthly payment. But something has to change. Maybe your pictures aren't good. Maybe your headline is terrible. You're not getting enough interest. I don't know what it is but it should be irresistibly priced and irresistibly marketed and it should sell 30 days or less. So I can tell you my best deal was, you know, buying hundreds of thousands of acres from a, a public company that bought all this property from the railroad in Nevada. So I bought 640 acre sections and I subdivided them into forties and over the next five years, I made $5 million on that, just that one deal. So if you said, hey, Mark, what's your favorite size? I would say 40s, but that's just me. Every acre size, it doesn't really matter. They all sell. But for me, I really loved 40s. Awesome. At thelandgeek.com, you offer a number of different services. Land investing, I mean, I'm convinced. I think it's a niche market that you can make a lot of money on. It also sounds like it's very active, a lot of work everything is right but are there other ways for investors to get exposure to this this asset class this this process that you're offering yeah i mean i've got a book on amazon called dirt rich so for like a buck 99 they can get exposed to it and hear my story and you know get get walk through the model i've got a course that's 97 dollars called wholetailing how to double your money 30 days or less because the best way to learn is to do so if they go to thelandgeek.com forward slash quick deals, they can see, if, does this model resonate with me or not? And then go deeper with it. Awesome. Well, it's certainly an interesting model. Really appreciate you coming on today, Mark. Where do you want to leave my listeners? What else do you want to leave them with? Yeah, I would say if you'll do for the next three to five years what other people won't do, you'll be able to do for the rest of your life what other people can't do. That's a Zig Ziglar quote. So I think if you're going to do it, do it, commit to it, burn your ships and really go deep with it. And, and 
you know, I, I think it's, for me, it's the best passive income model. I, I don't know what is better. You know, you get this one-time sale, you got recurring passive income, you've got no headaches, nothing physical, nothing to maintain, nothing to protect, and a huge, huge market that's non-competitive. So I'm, look, I'm flexible like a yogi. If you can tell us something better. Oh, actually, I'm sorry. There is one thing better than this. I know for sure there's only one thing better. What's that? Free money. No, from a, pa from a passive income model. Because even free money, yeah, it's great, but like. It's really passive. That, it's really passive. <laughs> you know, there's, you want that sense of accomplishment to your life. You don't just, you know, you don't, want, you don't just get something handed to you. That's boring. Because like we all know that kid that like grew up with a trust fund. They're like the most screwed up people. Like you got to earn it. But I think life insurance is very similar to this model, except the difference is life insurance is just an idea. But let's face it, it takes 10 years to make any money in life insurance. Nobody wants to talk to you at the party. It's kind of boring. But besides life insurance, I think this is the best passive income model. Awesome. Awesome. Mark, always good to have a fellow Hoosier on the podcast and really appreciate you spending all the time and going through this stuff today. Thanks, Ben. I really appreciate you having me. Yeah, of course. There you have it. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate your support. Show notes, transcript, links, and more can be found on our website at altassetallocation.com. If you'd be so kind, please share this with anyone you think might be interested or get some value from this conversation. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out. I'm always happy to hear them. Lastly, if you're on YouTube, please like the video or subscribe to the channel. If you're listening to the audio version of this, please subscribe to the podcast and or leave a review. This really helps more people find the podcast and I really appreciate it. Thanks again and hope you have a fantastic day. Happy investing.